It's, um, it's great to be with you. My name is Morris. I know there's quite a new uh, number of new faces that have been joining us over the weeks and months. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. I've been here for about 10 years. Um, our vision in the church is to make Jesus famous in Ipswich and the nations. <laughs> and my part of the, uh, my particular involvement is in the second half of that vision. I mean, I'm very keen to make Jesus famous in, uh, in Ipswich, but I'm, I'm particularly involved in our element, uh, sort of uh, representing the church here in its mission to the nations. Ordinarily, um, I would be uh, traveling quite extensively with my wife, Rachel. I would be uh, particularly on the mainland of Europe, working with about eight or 10 nations, helping raise leaders, plant churches, build networks of churches. Um, for the last 16 months, I've been in a corner of a house in Ipswich, um, a bit like the Wizard of Oz, sort of stuck behind the curtain, uh, pulling levers and pushing buttons and uh, hoping things would happen. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as Kirsten says, hopefully we're going to start to see things open up soon. We pray. Um, it's my somewhat daunting task to bring our series into land. This is actually... Believe it or not, the 59th message in our Luke series, uh, which is really uh, quite astonishing. Um, it's been a fantastic series. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, listening to so many excellent messages. Well done to everybody who's contributed. It's been, I think, quite exceptional and helpful uh, in the season that we're working through. So I'm going to be uh, preaching from right at the end of, of Luke chapter 24, if you've got your Bibles there, and uh, just speaking a little bit about what it means. I, I, I really want to try and help us grasp what it means to be a people that, make, that makes history, okay? Because I think hopefully I'll be able to demonstrate as we work through this passage the invitation and the opportunity it is for us to be uh, to be history makers in our generation. And that you have a particular part to play in that. You're not a spectator of that history, but actually God has fruitful plans and purposes for each one of you in the room here, those who are listening on the live stream, that God has much more for you than the things that this world has to offer, the goals that we might chase in this world. He's got a part for you to play in, in the only history that matters. And that's the story of the ex ever-expanding kingdom of God, of our King Jesus Christ. So I, I want to hope I can, by the grace of God, by the power of God, grip your hearts with a sense of a profound destiny today. So and bring together a massive series. So just a small task I've set myself for the day. Here we go. Anyway, let's just read these verses from the end of, uh, of Luke 24. So I'm going to pick things up at verse 36. Um, it says, uh, thank you. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. 
And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? That's a great Jesus. I love I'll come back to Jesus and food in a minute. Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broad fish, and he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Man. And then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple Blessing God. Astonishing. Historical narrative. How do we bring this whole series in Luke's gospel into land? Well, here we see that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's appearing to his disciples. He's proving that he was the man himself, not a spirit, back from the grave, flesh and bones, bearing scars, eating food, bringing peace to the fearful, bringing reassurance to the doubters, bringing wonder and joy to the believers. Jesus is alive. As an aside, there is a whole series of sermons to write about Jesus and food. Okay? <laughs> food seems to feature the gospel and food, making disciples and food, arriving in heaven and food. I rejoice in these things, but that's for another time. Okay, so. so he spends a day with the disciples, opens their minds, demonstrating the integrity of the entire counsel of God in Scripture that testifies about him through the law of Moses, through the prophets, through the Psalms. What a sermon that must have been. I'd love to have heard. Well, we, we know much of what he revealed to them. He says he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. It was a specific administration of grace upon these first-hand apostles to hand down the revelation of Christ through the writings of the New Testament. Paul says in Ephesians 3, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And he's speaking for all of the first-hand apostles here. It was not, this insight was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. And so this revelation, this mystery being revealed 
to God's holy apostles. You can imagine it happening right at that moment as he was opening their minds to the scriptures and teaching them everything that had come before in, in scripture and in events and in, in history about that, that was testifying to Christ and the gospel for all nations. So what is the purpose of this revelation for uh, that we're reading about here. Well, it's that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of the risen Christ to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem, it says in verse 47. That's the, the purpose. That's why Jesus was saying, I want you to understand this, because now you're going to be heralds of this gospel, of this good news, of repentance and forgiveness in the name of Jesus to all nations. And who is going to proclaim this revelation? It tells us in verse 48, those who are witnesses of these things. And what is the promise behind this revelation? The promise is that Jesus will send the promise of the Father upon his witnesses that they would receive the promised Holy Spirit. I am so thrilled the way Tim led us, because actually we're going to go right back there at the end of my sermon about the fact that, you know, that, praise God for a beautiful new building. Praise God for generous people who give so sacrificially. Praise God for beautiful ministries that we have in the church. Without the power of God, we're not going to get anywhere. You know, we're not going to get anywhere. We need to really understand what it means. When, we, when, we, when our worship leaders and, our, and, and Kirsten and Tim and others are encouraging us to receive it's not just so that we have a nice funny feeling. It's because you cannot do it without the power of God. You can't do it. Yeah? You cannot live this life without the, the power that God promises from heaven. And, uh, and he's saying this here, you know, uh, they would receive the promised Holy Spirit, be clothed with power from on high. We read in the parallel account in John 20, John says... As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I'm sending you. Okay? We've got to all think like apostles. We're all sent ones, whether it's to your school gate or your neighborhood or your workplace, wherever it might be. You know, okay, you send me off into your... Every one of us here is sent by Jesus. I'm sending you, he says. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It's prophetically foretelling what was about to happen for them. So we see then Jesus ascended into heaven. What's the significance of that? The significance is he didn't die again. He didn't die again. Okay, he'd been raised from the dead. He died once for all. And when God raised him from the dead as the first fruits of many, he conquered Death. Okay, death is a monster. You need to remember this. You know, sometimes we sort of, uh, in, in our popular culture, we try and sort of make friends with death. No, death is a monster. Death is an imposter. Death has come in and robbed us of everything that we were created to have. And Jesus has put death to death. <laughs> okay, he has, through his sinless life of perfect obedience and through his death and resurrection, he has defeated our great enemy that has separated us from our Father in heaven. 
And in Christ Jesus, death is dead. He has conquered death, and we now have a way back to our Father to be born again and to never die. And so Jesus was taken. He didn't, have to, he didn't leave this earth through the door of death again because he dealt with that. This is the gospel. Paul says, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we are all pitiful fools. <laughs> Paul says, he doesn't hold back. You know, he says, if, if he cannot raise us from the dead, we're wasting our time. I love it. In the King James Version, it says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and we are, of all men, most miserable. <laughs> you know, if we're doing this, and actually, if you, you know, it's brilliant testimony from Rachel there, you know, that actually, she didn't really understand it, and then she came to understand it. You know, if we don't actually understand and believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and therefore, by putting our trust and faith in him, we also can be raised from the dead, you are a bunch of idiots wasting your Sunday morning, come to listen to me ranting and raving at you for half an hour. You're wasting your time. The only reason this is relevant is because Jesus is alive and that he's been raised from the dead and that he can also take us with him. That's the only reason why. <laughs> if you can't do that, it's, it's pointless. How can people consider themselves to be Christians and not believe in the resurrection? Nonsense. I can't, I can't understand that. Anyway, so I don't enjoy the thought of dying, but I'm not afraid of dying. All right? Because one has gone ahead of me and has made a way for me to follow him. And I'm going to go and be with him. So what are we to make of Luke's gospel then? All right? Brace yourself now. I know it's a bit, haw- a bit warm and you're a little bit uh, uh, dozy. In, uh, in the- We've got nice uh, air conditioning in our new building, okay? You may look up and see some air conditioning units here. They've not worked for about 15 years. <laughs> if ever you've asked Matt or someone to turn the air conditioning on, he's pressed a button, he was just keeping you happy, all right? Because <laughs> it's never worked. <laughs> in our new building, it works. Hallelujah. <laughs> and what are we to make of Luke's gospel, okay? Brace yourself, a little bit of textual analysis here. Many of you will be aware there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they each offer their own specific perspective on the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. Each of them are narratives, but there are different types of narratives, and there is a difference between the narrative of Luke and the other three Gospels. Uh, The other three Gospels are essentially biographies of Jesus. Jesus is the primary focus and it's speaking about the life and events of Jesus. And uh, it's, a, it's a classic biographical narrative. Luke is different. Luke is, is not so much a biography of Jesus. It is a historical narrative of the movement that Jesus founded. Okay? So that you can see a little, you can tease out a difference between, you know, people say, oh, these are quite similar. No, actually, they're very different and they serve different purposes. Okay. Um, How do we arrive at this conclusion? Well, this is the textual analysis, blah, 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 which I won't bore you with. But, um, you know, ancient biographies tend to introduce their subject in the first sentence or pretty much 
close to the first sentence. So Matthew 1, verse 1, Mark 1, verse 1, John 1, verse 1, all reference Jesus as the book's subject. Luke doesn't get around to that until <laughs> quite a way into chapter 2 because he's painting the historical narrative. He's saying this is the sequence of events and Jesus is the prime personality character in the middle of that. But actually, I'm trying to paint for you a historical narrative, right? And that's what he's trying to do. And, uh, you know, there are other textual clues, you know, to do with citation density, event focus rather than personality focus, da 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 da, da. But the most striking demonstration that the, 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 the gospel that Luke writes is a historical narrative rather than a biography is the fact that it is the only gospel that has a sequel. Okay? It's a two-parter. Come back for... Our next exciting instalment, as we know, many of you will be aware. Luke's Gospel is the first of a two-parter in the New Testament, which together with its sequel, which is the book of Acts, written also by Luke, is actually takes up about a quarter of the New Testament. So Luke and Acts together as a sort of seamless narrative, historical narrative, as I say, about a quarter of the New Testament, is stitching together all the events so that you can start to see how the movement that Christ has founded develops and grows. So you know, Acts clearly takes us well beyond the life of Jesus, of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth tells the tales of a number of Jesus' followers, but following a single historical narrative thread. Luke to Acts follows the standard expectations of an ancient historical narrative moving from one event to another to another in a seamless overarching narrative. So, we're getting there. Okay, hang in there. I know it's warm, but this is important. So the historical narrative of Luke leaves us where we've just read. The disciples are overjoyed. They're returning to Jerusalem. They're praising God, awaiting the promise of empowerment by the Holy Spirit to propel them into their mission, to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of the risen Christ to all nations. And then Luke's second part of his account in Acts, he picks up this thread where the Gospel of Luke has left things and continues the historical narrative through the birth of the church and the expansion of the mission of God throughout their known world at that time. And we see this intriguing parallel. Acts leaves us. Uh, well, here we go. In Luke 24, we see, we, we were hearing earlier about Jesus spending the day with the disciples, testifying about everything written about him in the law of Moses and the prophets. That was in verse 44. And if you were to turn to Acts and to ch chapter 28, you find Paul, this is how the second part, Acts, this is how it finishes. Paul is with the local leaders of the Jews in Rome, and he is testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. It's just this parallel. So Jesus finishes in Luke, saying, like, hey, I'm going to tell you everything about me. In, in the scriptures, in the law of Moses and, and the prophets. And then we find Paul doing exactly the same at the end of the second part of this narrative. So somewhat soberly, in verse 24, it says that some were convinced by what Paul said, but others disbelieved. And Paul then makes this statement 
and you know the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet go to this people and say you hear but never understand and you see but never perceive and he's quoting from Isaiah 6 and he goes on to say therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles they will listen <laughs> they will listen so we don't want to get into the whole thing about how God has hardened the hearts of Israel, but he has, and they need to turn and receive their own Messiah. But now this Messiah is for all of us from every nation, and this gospel is to be proclaimed to every, na every nation. Now, what difference does that make for us today? Well, as I've said, this is a, in trying to summarize the gospel of Luke, this is a history of the movement that Jesus himself founded, and we see that narrative work its way through Luke and work its way through Acts. And there is where we start. That's where we pick it up. This is where we, in our generation, pick up the historical narrative. We don't pick it up 2,000 years later. We go back to that point. We go right back to that point, and we say, right, this is where the story starts for us. This is where we come in. This is our launch point. Dave Devonish says this, the New Testament is primarily a first generation or one generation account. It records the life of Jesus, who commissioned the apostles to go into the whole world with the gospel, a task which was not completed in the New Testament and still has not been completed today. The New Testament describes how the task was started but with very little specific instruction for the following generations, except that they must contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. So each generation, is speaking to us now, should be like a first-generation church in its life and organisation while maintaining the foundation built on the truth laid down by the original apostles and prophets which is described as the faith once for all entrusted to the saints. So the end of Luke Acts is the starting point for every generation, and it's the starting point for us. This is where we pick up the story. This is our mandate. This is where we continue to play our part in the historical narrative. So just as Jesus... Uh, exhorted his disciples and Paul exhorted his hearers. We expound the kingdom of God. We, we, we explain the kingdom of God. That's what Rachel was saying. You know, I had to, I had to learn these things. I, I had to read what it said and figure out, oh, and this is, oh, and this is how this all makes sense now. My son, Sam, he's reading through Isaiah at the moment. And he keeps sending me, you know, most mornings, I'll get an impossible question about, <laughs> where does, I've, I've read this in Isaiah, does that relate to something in Hebrews? And I'm thinking, I don't know, I'll have to have a look. What's it? Goodness me. He's trying to figure it out. You know, folks, figure this out. We're going to expound the kingdom of God. And we proclaim Christ, repentance and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. That's... That's what they were doing at the end of Luke and at the end of Acts. And we are empowered from on high. 
We don't do this without the power of God. This is our mandate. This is our opportunity to develop the historical narrative. You know, praise God for all that has gone on in the generations over the past 2,000 years, but I'm not beholden to that. My traditions and my history go right back to this point. This is the launch pad for me, and it's the launch pad for us. This is our day where we say, okay, now we take on this responsibility. Now we're going to take this on into our generation, and we're going to make our contribution to the inheritance of Christ. We're going to seize the day for this generation. We're going to build with silver and gold. We're going to give our life to something that will last forever. I want my life to count. Do you want your life to count? Do you want it to mean something? Yeah? The world is going to try and pull us away to be consumed with all sorts of other worthy things that have very little to do with the establishment of the kingdom of God in our generation today. And I was, you know, God wants to grip us. There was a day when he gripped me. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not a particularly impressive man. I don't come from an impressive background. But there was a day when God gripped me and said, I've got purpose for your life. And I'm no different to anyone else in this room, that he would grip us. You know, we're here to make Jesus famous in Ipswich and the nations. You have heard this prophecy many times. It's been such an encouragement to us. Uh, from a guy called Kim McCaffrey, going back to 2005. And he was in this room, and he said, I saw a lot of tears falling, lots of tears. I could hear crying. You know, like any other church, we've had our fair share of ups and downs. There's been tears in this room. I saw this building and the bricks were falling. Lots of bricks falling to the ground. And then it was as if I went forward in time and I saw a different building not here. Right, this is 2005. It had a glass front. And through this glass front, I could see the foyer full of people dancing, and there was much joy. I looked at the building, and it seemed full of people. Over 300 people were there, but there were people still coming in. Lots of young people streaming in from all sides. Isn't that remarkable? We're on the, you know, we're on the, the we're a step from our next step of history. For the, I think we're going to be making history in Ipswich, for the glory of the king. Do you want to believe that? You know, I think sometimes people go, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I have my own cynical nature. I'm English, come on. It's part of my job description as an Englishman. Be a bit cynical. Yeah, no, I want to be part of a history-making generation. And I believe God is inviting us. He's saying, here's your launch pad, you know. Expound the kingdom, proclaim Christ in the power of the Spirit. All right? And you can make history in your day. And every one of us has got a part to play in that. I was absolutely uh, you know, delighted when uh, Tim shared that picture for our older generation. You know, the bell hasn't gone yet for the last lap. I don't know if it ever does. You know? Please, don't start easing off. You know, and here's a call to the young generation. You know, I think this building is going to be really quite particularly um, helpful for the next generation. 
So it's an invitation from God. So what I want us to do now, I, I said to Rachel, I really don't know how to land this. You know, it's such a responsibility to bring in, summarize the whole gospel and, and uh, you know, but I, I spent a lot of time wrestling with it. And I thought, I just want us to pray exactly as we were invited to do earlier today and open ourselves to be filled again with his power and presence, Okay. So that's what we're going to do. I don't know if the band can uh, come, if you have some appropriately uh, in a moment. I'm going to pray for a while, and then if you can finish and lead us in a song to finish. Okay. So just where you are, I just want you to, uh, as Tim encouraged us earlier, just open your hands to heaven. And we just want to acknowledge our, our need of God. I just want to speak words of destiny over us. Lord God, thank you that you've made a way for us and now you have charged us with this responsibility to proclaim this gospel of repentance and forgiveness in the risen Christ Jesus to all nations, Lord God, to the Jews and the Gentiles. We pray, Lord Jesus, we want to take hold of this responsibility in our day. I just want to pray for my friends in this meeting now. That Holy Spirit, you'll come. You'll move in our hearts. Just open yourself up to him. We're not looking for, you know, funny feelings. We'll take anything that God pours out on us, but we're looking for empowerment. We're looking for the sure and certain encounter with the empowering presence of God unmistakable, undeniable, you know, people, some, you know, I remember someone saying once, you know, if you're not sure if you've been filled with the power of God, then you probably haven't, <laughs> you know. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us, we pray. Some people believe that, that baptism in the Spirit is a separate experience from salvation, I believe that. Others believe it comes with the package of of salvation, when you get saved, you're filled with the Spirit. Well, you know, either way, Paul says, go on being filled. Present continuous. Go on. Be filled again. Fill us again, we say, Lord God. Fill again those who are called to the broken and the marginalized and the despised. Fill them again, Lord. Give them power from heaven. Lord, you made promises to us about this building, that it will be a place of encounter for those who are poor and broken. Lord, well, we need your power, Lord. Grip us. Lord, those who are, are, are called to take the gospel to another town or another nation, pour out your power, Lord. Grip them. Grip their hearts. Lord, the, the old and the young, Lord God, we want to play our part in making history. We want to make it count, Lord, in this day. We don't just want to make up the numbers. We don't just want to be uh, seeing out our time here, Lord. But we want to say, no, I'm giving myself to something that, is, that matters. That I'm giving myself to something that's going to last forever, Lord God, that's going to leave a mark for eternity, for the glory of my King and for the extension and expansion of his kingdom. So we pray right now.
Just ask the Spirit to come. I pray, Lord, for some today, this will be a moment of destiny. I feel that just for some of you, there'll be a sense of, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm all in now. I'm all in. I'm not going to be flirting with the world anymore. I'm not going to be pursuing the things that they pursue. You know, I'm not. Come, Lord Jesus, and make your name very great in our day. Make your name famous in our day. Lord, you see the, the world we live in. You see the culture we're up against, sliding away from you, turning its back on you. Jesus, we want to press your claims, King of the universe. We can't do it on our own, Jesus. We need you. We need your power. We need your power to live. We need your power to withstand our own flesh and the, the wiles of the enemy. But Lord, we need your power to abound in all these things and push back the frontiers of darkness. We need your power to deliver the brokenhearted into your hands. We need your power to raise up men and women who are going to follow you with their whole heart. We need your power to see frontiers broken for the gospel. So fill us, Lord. We want to be a power-filled people. Father God, we want to be a people of power for the gospel. Lord, not for our own sake, not just for our own indulgence. Lord, we love your presence. We love your love flowing through our veins. But Lord, we need your power to carry the gospel with courage and confidence and conviction we need to carry the gospel into every relationship that you've placed around us, our friends and family, our neighbours, workplaces, colleagues, bosses, people that, that we're responsible for. Lord, come. Lord, I pray we'll be a people marked by your power, Lord, that thrusts us with boldness, reckless boldness out into a... a a culture that is, is rejecting you and saying, no, no, no. Turn to God in repentance. Receive his forgiveness. Empower us, we pray, oh God, to do the work that you've called us to. Let's worship together as we bring our time together as a close.